Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Medford alongside Noah Russo. And the second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. And to give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to the pools page and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Noah, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Doing good, man. And, you know, just reading that ad read there, you know, the basketball playoffs, we don't, you know, it's not a basketball podcast, but they've been phenomenal. They, they have. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm in New York and um, the, the Nets were in the playoffs. So, like, I went to game, game two of this series, um, which was an absolute blowout. Yeah, I think it was like a 40 point difference. Yeah, I remember you said like that sucked. It, it, was, just like, it was like I, I was an unbiased fan that didn't really care who won. I kind of wanted Milwaukee to win just to even out the series, but it was just disappointing to have that big of a like discrepancy in the teams and to have like you know a 40 point difference is just boring. Um, but yeah, the series really ramped up and we had a huge game seven last night. Yeah, it was unreal. And like, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge basketball guy. Like I don't watch basketball most of the year, really. You know, maybe the odd Raptors game. But, and I think, I think a big part of that too is that usually the basketball playoffs that are like relatively predictable, at least they have been in recent history. Like last year, like pretty almost certainty that, you know, the Lakers were going to go all the way. Before that, I mean, the Warriors were always just dominant. Yeah. Right? And so it's always just that. Whichever team LeBron is on and, like, that kind of thing. From from an uneducated basketball observer, observer, that's certainly what it seems like. Yeah, it, just, it seems very predictable every year. This year, though, I honestly have no clue who's going to win. I have no clue. I mean, 
you know, Nets obviously were probably the favorite all year, but then, you know, some injuries in this series. Kevin Durant, unreal last night, uh, hitting the shot, the force OT, then couldn't get it done. But yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And that game seven last night was fantastic. And we got some big games coming up here uh, today with game seven. Yeah, I think there's a big basketball game seven, right? Yeah. Just while we're on the topic, even though it's not a basketball show, uh, Atlanta, 76ers, who you like taking game seven tonight? Hmm. I got to go with Atlanta. I can't can't endorse Philadelphia sports fans. I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. So I'm going to go with Atlanta, the underdogs, Trey Young at the helm. That's going to be that's going to be my pick for this game seven. I'm going with Atlanta too. Uh, I think it'll be close, but I think they get it done. And I'm thinking Atlanta. Nothing against the 76ers. I mean, they're fine. I like Joel Embiid. Yeah, sure. He's he's a good player. And Simmons too, but. Uh, for me, I'm going with the Hawks because uh, a couple years ago, I remember NBA draft, and I said, Cam Reddish, steal of the draft, the next Kevin Durant. Now, it's still early, and he hasn't shown any flashes of that being, you know, a trajectory for him and potential for him to reach those heights. But I got to go with my guy, Cam Reddish, so I'm, I'm taking the Hawks here. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I'm calling it Cam Reddish, triple-double tonight, book it, lock it in. Uh, but, yeah, it should be a good one. Um, and then the NHL playoffs, uh, I'm not going to lie, I've been a little bit surprised with these conference finals at how close the series have been. Yeah. I. Like It's weird, though, because I still get an overwhelming feeling – that Tampa Bay is going to beat the Islanders. I I don't know why. I just I can't help it. I, I mean, I hate. I would like to see the Islanders beat Tampa just because. I mean. I mean, for Panthers fans, it's a no-win situation. Like exactly, you don't like either of those teams. But if you have to, I think go I with hate one. Tampa more than the Islanders. Is what it comes down to. Yeah, is really it's just, like, just the whole like seventeen million dollar like above the cap and like there's just so many things that state rival like you just you can't cheer for yeah you can't do it you you can't and they beat us in the first round so why would we there's no reason to cheer for them so i really hope the islanders can get it done but i get this overwhelming sense that that tampa's just going to go back to the stanley cup final and uh, i was talking to someone and they they pointed out that Maybe we need Tampa to win the cup again, just because then we can just call them the COVID champs and whatever. They, they won both years that were modified schedules. So it's just kind of like not an asterisk, but not not 100 percent. So I, I don't know. But that's the and then on the other conference final. Who knows what's going to happen? Leonard's slated to, to start, start tonight. tonight for Flurry, which I think is going to be huge. Last time they did that. Colorado ended up whooping them 7-1. So we'll see what happens. I think it's a completely different situation than game one versus Colorado. I think Leonard coming in now is completely different. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. A, goal, a big yeah. goalie change in a really important game. 
Well, yeah, like the thing for me is like, in my mind, like Vegas is a far better team than Montreal. And I think Tampa Bay is a far better team than the New York Islanders. So I expected those teams to like, not sweep, but I expected them to be pretty dominant and come out of those series, right? Relatively unscathed, maybe five, maybe six games, right? But I mean, the Islanders, Tampa, 2-2, the Islanders scored three goals last night. Unreal for them. Hold it down. Huge save by Ryan Pollock. Uh, there at the end of the game uh, to preserve the the win for the Islanders. And then Montreal up 2-1 on Vegas, right? I thought Vegas was going to walk all over the Habs. Marc-Andre Fleury had other ideas, mm-hmm. coughs up the puck there. Um, and you really got the sense at the time that unless something like that happened, that was Vegas's game like all yeah. along. Montreal was just not getting like – the, the opportunities that you'd like to get down, um, what was it, 2-1 in the game. And Flurry just kind of gave it to them. And it was really just, well, now, like, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, and, like, you know, as soon as Flurry makes that mistake, a lot of people go back to his misplay in the World Juniors uh, when he threw it off, I think, Braden Colburn and in to his own net. And, you know, a lot of people said, like, that one was really hard for Flurry to get over. This one, probably a little bit easier. He's a lot older, right? And he was out there, like, joking about it today, so I don't think it affects him mentally. Yeah. But if you're, like, Pete DeBoer in that game, like, I don't really know what you say to your team. It's like, you feel like you played a pretty good game, you know, for for the most part. Like, I don't know how much you really go about changing. A little surprised he went with – he's going to go with Leonard tonight. Yeah. I mean – and when you think about it, Vegas's first goal was given to them as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and perfect, Eric, perfect by, slot pass from Eric Stahl. Which is because so the, the two big giveaways, Stahl and Flurry, the number one and number two picks in the 2003 draft. Amazing showing stat. Out, showing yeah. Out. yeah. So pretty interesting situation there. Just think, you know, it's the hockey gods kind of trying to make it even i guess um but vegas completely dominated that game up until overtime i thought i thought montreal was actually the better team in overtime but up until overtime it was just all vegas yeah like it's yeah vegas was very very good i give montreal credit for staying in it uh you know in montreal they don't seem to lose in overtime and doing it all without their coach dominic ducharme testing positive so, for the second yeah. for the second straight year, Montreal Canadiens without a head coach in the playoffs. That's true. That's true. Due to illness, due a, for a medical, yeah, medical reason. That's that's interesting. Unfortunate to them. So, like, I I think all things considered, you got to be impressed with what Montreal yeah. did. Ducharme's in Ducharme's press conference today. He he alluded to the fact that he wouldn't have to sit out the complete fourteen days. I think it's ten. No, so we at first they told us 10 and then they said 14. But now it's looking I don't know. He was alluding to the fact that he he was very confident he wouldn't have to, but it, it's going to be a situation to 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 keep watching, but at the beginning of that game when Vegas was dominating dominating so much, kind of made you wonder like if if that was the Dominic Dominic Ducharme impact. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, kind of have to it's, wait. It's so hard to, to evaluate the impact that coaching has on a game 
that I mean that's that, that I, was a, I think it, I think it's a little easier when you're the away team. Like I get like home team. Okay, home team you can do like matchups, right? Yeah. Right. So you have last change. So like that's probably a big part of it. Like I think it, I think it would have been a lot harder. Or I think like there's Luke Richardson behind the bench, right? And really like how much does a head coach do in a game? Like, it's just kind of, you're just trying to manage things, right? That's all it is for the most part. Like your systems are in place, you know how you're going to play. So it really just comes down to matchups and then just flow of the game type of stuff. Um, Absolutely. And it's really hard to gauge how much a coach has an impact on just an individual game basis because of that. But while we're on the top of coaching, unreal transition right here. Coach of the year went to Rod Brindamore, the Jack Adams award. Uh, I know I, I can tell you right now. I mean, I know we both disagree with that decision, uh, but I want to, I mean, I agree not giving it. it to Dean Evison. Yeah. Like I can see that. I, I, I honestly don't get it. I think that what Quenville has done way better than what Brindamore has done, but I mean, obviously the the writers didn't think so. Yeah, terrible. I I honestly think he was that was not a the right decision. I really don't yeah. think so. Like, and I like. I think There's like, no disrespect to Rob Brindamore. Yeah, like he's Rob- a fantastic. He's an elite coach. He's fantastic. He he has an ability to like rally his team. Like I I think no other coach in the league. But Quenville just had the better season for me. Yeah, like here's the thing for me. So like. <clears throat> coaching to me like yeah like you said i i'm i'm a huge rod brindamore fan as a coach like i think he's a terrific coach and one of the best coaches in the league and you absolutely can tell the way his players respond to him uh and his leadership so nothing not taking anything away from that but you look at you know what quenville did this year like carolina was unbelievable last year right they've been a very very good team for a few years here right Mm-hmm. The expectation was that they were going to finish one or two in this gr- in this division, which they did. The expectation from a lot of people was that the Florida Panthers would not be, you know, a playoff team or be, you know, the fourth seed. You know, it's a team that lost two top six forwards. It's a team that lost their number one defenseman, a defenseman who probably would have finished top 10 in Norris voting about halfway through the season and still managed to finish second in the division. Right. I think it's like, look at every single player who had career years this year on the Florida Panthers. Cause the list is long. Yeah. I honestly, it doesn't make any sense. I have you, did you see the voting? I did not see the voting. That's the only thing that I I saw the voting wasn't close. Really? Yeah. And the voting always gets weird. Like the um, DJ Smith finished tied with Barry Trotz, which is just garbage. Right, like Barry Trotz wasn't even anywhere. Like that's just the reality. Nothing against DJ Smith. I mean, I'm sure he's fine, but I but, mean, what, what, how can how how is that <laughs> even possible? Yeah. Well, especially like like because we'll talk about it. Cause we'll get into some of the other awards. DJ Smith was making some terrible roster management moves at the beginning of the season. He was not. Yeah, but I think it's because they got hot down the stretch. Like they were very yeah. very good team in the last like third yeah. of the season, but. To me, like, like we'll get into it because we'll talk about some of the other awards that have been, you know, with Panther nominees and Panther wins. Um, but, like, 
it's hard to look at like what like Barry Trotz like he should be in your top three like he should be up there he wasn't up there like he's an unbelievable coach look at look at the New York Islanders team they're in the conference final and look at that roster like Barry Trotz is a wizard so he should have been higher for sure but to me Joel like Joel Quenville coach Q like I, to me it's so clear but like I mean, for, for all the reasons you highlighted, it just – it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Are, are, like, are we missing something? Like, we, we already knew Caroline had a great team. Like, that was the expectation. But what Quenville was able to do with the roster he had, I, to me, was way more impressive. Yeah, I think like you saw like a lot of growth from a lot of players. The transformation from last year to this year, night and day. There is just, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me that, that he doesn't win this award. And I I realize like it is just an award. Like it doesn't really mean anything. Like I think, you know, you ask most people. I think you know people who know hockey and watched you know a lot of teams and a lot of different games this year would probably tell you Joel Quenville was the best coach this year. It's it's pretty obvious, but but hey, I guess not to everyone. Yeah, I, I I guess not. I just think like you can make such an easy case for for Joel Quenville to to be you know the Jack Adams winner this year, but I don't think he's really too broken up about it. So no. I can't imagine that. Um, moving on to some other awards. Um, this one, the winner hasn't been announced yet, but GM of the year. Um, an interesting group worth noting that the GM of the year voting happens after the second round, correct? Yeah. So GM of the year, your finalists, Bill Zito, Mark Bergevin, and Lou Amarello. Now, first of all, I don't, I don't see what Lou did in the off season. Like he built it, like obviously a competitive team and made some key acquisitions at the deadline, but I, I, I don't see him as, really like making any transformation or anything it built a great hockey team but it's been a process over like several years i don't think see how like this year would really differentiate him and make him like worthy of a finalist spot that being said i think zito and bergevin are like neck and neck here i i think it should go to zito i, I think that you can't you can't ignore Montreal's like complete lack of consistency throughout the regular season. Like to, to me, like you can't ignore that. Give credit so, to Mark Bergman. Like he, he made some significant changes in the off season and he did add some players that have been very, very big for them, you know, throughout the season and throughout the playoffs. Right. So give him full marks for that. But like if the voting happens at the end of the regular season, which is when I think it should happen, I don't think Mark Bergevin is anywhere close to the top three in your uh, Jim Gregory GM of the year voting because Montreal finishing fourth in the division in a division where, you know, a lot of people called it the weakest division out there. I don't think, you know, that warrants being top three in this award. Lou Lamorello, I mean, credit for the deadline additions was great. Um, but like he traded, he traded away Devon Taves who had an exceptional year in Colorado for two second round picks, not a ton of value 
there for for the Islanders. They and they kind of forced themselves into that position by clogging up their cap by you know paying all the you know the players that they have. <clears throat> like a lot of guys making a lot more than they would on other teams. Mm-hmm. And it just seems strange that you're going to have Lou Amarello up for GM of the year for not really doing a whole lot. He's not- a great team though. Like I can't deny that, but what has he done specifically this year to, to change that kind of? Oh well, yeah. And he's like, he's the reigning winner of it too. And so it's like, what did he do differently that made them better than they were last year? And the answer is probably not really anything. And if you're going to put him up there for your top three as GM, then why isn't Barry Trotz up there for the Jack Adams? Doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. To me, this one, this one's got to be Bill Zito. I mean, I thought the Jack Adams should have very clearly been Joel Quenville. And I realize that it sounds awfully biased because, you know, it's our podcast <laughs> about the Panthers. But, like, <clears throat> I, I think that <clears throat> undeniably – He's the one who's done the most work and seen the most success for the work he's done. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, he absolutely transformed this team this year. Like, he he had a very clear plan. He brought in a ton of players. A ton of players came into this team uh, that he brought in, and they all performed very, very well. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it cannot go to him. Really? Yeah, I mean, I can see it not going to him just because I saw Coach of the Year not go to Coach Q. Yeah, I just... That's the only reason I can see Bill Zito not winning it is that journalists don't know what they're talking about anymore. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, like listen, to, like, I'm just going to list off some names that he, he brought in throughout the year. And you tell me... And, and so this team finishing second in the division... These are the guys he brought in, and this team performed exceptional. He brought in Sam Bennett, Duclair, Gusev, Womberg, Mason Marchment was already here, Carter Verhage, Alex Wenberg. But you Goose- traded Mason Marchment, right? No, no, Marchment was uh, last year. Not Mason year. Marchment. I'm thinking of the Mike Matheson trade. Yeah, uh, Patrick Hornquist, yeah. uh, Kevin Connaughton, Gustav Forsling, Radko Gudis. Matt Kierstad, Brandon Montour, Marcus Nidavaro. Like, that is a lot of players to bring in in a single offseason. It's and, huge. And a lot of those players were had really, really good seasons. And I, if, if I'm not mistaken, he they the Panthers drafted Devin Levi under him, or was that? It was after. That was after. I think I'd give most of the credit to Bobby Lou on that one, too. Okay. Well, yeah, but. It's all like in the umbrella. Yeah, uh, sure. They, they did a yeah. good draft too. Anton Lindell, yeah. sure, throw him in there, yeah. whatever. Um, so, I, I'm just trying to like advocate even more for why this guy unanimously deserves the GM of the year award. Yeah, like how many GMs changed their roster that much and outperformed their last season numbers by that much? There is no team like that. That is your GM of the year, very clearly. At least it should be. Um, of the fi- the three finalists, um, or should I say, like, is there anyone you think is deserving of being a finalist for GM of the Year that's not in there right now? Um, I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, I kind of just throwing this on you. 
let me see. I could see uh, one sec. Let's see. I could kind of see Don Sweeney being in the mix. For Taylor Hall edition? Taylor Hall. I mean, they lost Chara and Krug, and then he had to kind of deal with that. They we brought in Craig Smith, who was great for them. I could see that. Um, like, I could, I could see Joe Sackick, too. Like... Yeah, not, not that Colorado wasn't already a great team, but he he brought in some some guys that were were pretty big for them this year. So I'll give him a lot of credit for that. Like I, again, like the Devontae's acquisition was huge for them. Yeah, like that was such a dominant pairing. Um, other than that, though, like it's a bit tricky. A little bit tricky. Yeah, I, mean, I would it, say definitely not Yarmo Kekalainen. <laughs> Honestly, the only one I could think of was was Don Sweeney off the top of my head that would actually be deserving of the award for legitimate changes he made. I think you could also maybe say uh, McPhee in Vegas. Who was there? Yeah. Uh, Alex Petrangelo. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big signing. Right. And he's looked fantastic through the playoffs. He's looked, yeah, he didn't have a great regular season, but he's been a force in the playoffs. And then you look like Vegas is down 2 1 in the series right now. And what's the reason for that? It's because they're missing Chandler Stevenson, the lead acquisition from last year, but still. So I, I like, I think, yeah, he's had, he had a good year too. Other than that, though, yeah, I, I think I, I like the, the, the final three enough. Right? Like, yeah. they're all. No, I mean, like, the only one I'd substitute would be, as as we said, Lou, just because not sure what specific things, you know, like you can attribute to him. And it just seems like the others have done so much more than he has. So it's going to be interesting to see how voting plays out. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, and then the last award we got to talk about here. I mean, <clears throat> talk with the Lady Bing too. I mean, you know, Jacob Slavin wins it. Defenseman never win that award. So good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's well-deserved. But the Selkie Trophy, it has eluded him for a while, but Alexander Barkov has finally won it, the best defensive forward in the NHL. Uh, I know we're going to be a little biased here, but do you agree with the pick? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, that's incredible. I mean, he beats out two fantastic players for it. Yeah, like really, I think he's completely deserving. He was in our talk at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think reality is like he was up there in the nominees and the finalists with two other very deserving players. Like, give him credit, you know, like you know, Mark Stone, like that's my guy. But Alexander Barkov was an absolute force this year, all year long. Like, he was unbelievable, uh, for the Panthers this year, especially coming off a couple of seasons where he maybe wasn't you know, as dominant as he had looked earlier in his career, but he was unbelievable this year for the Panthers. Both yeah. sides of the puck. Just, you know. His his stick work is so, so, so amazing. Yeah. It's for a just, guy who doesn't play like an elephant with an elephant knob, like stone. Yeah. 
like that's it's impressive and you know he he's able to deke as well as he's able to take the pe- the puck away from opponents i he's a he's an elite center in the nhl that's just the reality yeah i was actually talking about it with you know jacob our cap expert the other day and we we're we we're kind of talking about uh you know stuff like that and you know alexander barkov and the you know i think it's about time you know he he got this award like he's unbelievable and to me it's just the way he thinks the game just blows me away right he has like we obviously know how good his hands are but he's not he's not the flashiest player he's not the fastest skater right he doesn't wow you but the way he thinks his positioning he just controls the game like when, when he's out there and he's able to create so many offensive chances off of very little, which is just so impressive. Yeah, there's so many offensive plays that start with him, and there's so many defensive plays that start with him. Like, that's what he is for the Panthers. And, you know, you got to remember, too, this is like the first year in a long time where he hasn't played a significant amount of minutes with Jonathan Huberto, too, right? Two new line mates, water change over in the roster. He's the captain a lot of pressure and I mean he was just a force like very well deserved on this one yeah no arguing with that and you know it's Patrice Bergeron's won it enough times and I think Mark Stone has done great but I I feel like he's just disadvantaged naturally because he's a winger yeah, well, exactly. I feel like it's a it's a it's a trophy that's given to the center, to centers like so often. Yeah, like I was, you know, uh, you know, some people I saw on Twitter and stuff were saying this kind of seems like one of those awards where it's like, and this happens a lot with the Norris where they just give it to a guy who's due for winning it. Maybe he didn't have the strongest defensive year, but he you know should win it. So he should have won it at some point. So they're just going to give it to him. Yeah, right? and like people said that last year about Sean Couturier too winning it, like that wasn't even Sean Couturier's best defensive year, <laughs> right? Which is which was true. It, um, they, they give it to the most underrated player a lot. It's just it's crazy. It, it's crazy. Yeah, if the, the when people say underrated, they mean really good defensively and not flashy. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly what underrated means. It, exactly. I mean, in in hockey, that's that's, that's exactly what it, what it is. is. Exactly what it is. He's a solid player that is not flashy offensively and just yeah. gets the job done ridiculously well defensively. Yeah. So I saw some people that were, you know, making a case that maybe Alexander Barkov wasn't the best defensive center, you know, in, in or the best defensive forward in the league this year, you know, showing a bunch of advanced analytics of, you know, like, oh, Mark Stone's defensive impact was this. Barkov's is slightly, you know, not as – it's good. And the reality is, is like the margin is so small. And when one of those guys, he's, you know, he's a center, he's taking face-offs. Mark Stone doesn't take face-offs. And I know that's just one facet of the game, but it, it matters in certain instances. And uh, to me, I think, you know, Alexander Barkov absolutely deserved to win this award. Yeah. I, there's no doubt about it. I'm. And based on this trend though, like next year probably is Mark Stone. <laughs> and then maybe, we, and then maybe after that, we go back to Bergeron because it's been a few years since he would have won one at that to. point. You have to. I wouldn't you be surprised to. if Bergeron went and then Stone got it. No, I think I think they go Stone because you know he probably you know, some might say he got snubbed this year, so they go Stone next year. 
and then they probably just give it to Bergeron for like three years straight until he eventually retires. And then I think they go back in the cycle and they'll go Couturier, Barkov, and then I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's one of those weird awards where like it, it usually just goes to like the same like four people. You know, it's yeah. always your suspects. Which I found interesting because like, you know, they they show you the voting breakdown of like who got which votes, right? Which I always I really like just to see how close it is. And then, you know, sometimes you'll see like some random player gets like uh like a fifth place vote or whatever. Um and my favorite one every year, and this year it was too, is the Lady Bing, which Jacob Slavin won. Mm-hmm. Because there was, I think, like 50-something players who received votes for that award. It's ridiculous. Because you, you can pick five players, right? You can pick five players. It makes no sense. I feel like some play Jack Campbell, I'm pretty sure, got a Vezina vote or something. No, he no, got, no, no. He, he, Jack he a, Campbell got the Lady Bing vote. Yeah, he did. Yeah, lots of goalies did. But like, does Jack Campbell like actually deserve to get a Lady Lady Bing vote? Like, it, it just seems a little excessive to uh, to a certain extent. And it makes it easy to just like. You know, throw throw like votes on guys that you know aren't going to win just to like do it. Yeah, like, and I don't. Because the reality is, only your first three votes really matter. Yeah, the, like that is the reality of it. Um, I think the, the goalie with the most amount of votes, I believe, is Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. Right, and that that one's kind of weird because it's it's a tough award to define. Like gentlemanly conduct, usually it's just like how many penalties did they take is mm-hmm. how people use it. Yeah which is an argument that doesn't really make sense with goalies because they rarely take penalties unless they're Tristan Jari. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of it too is with these awards is that, you know, a lot of them are, you know, it's the writers who vote on them mm-hmm. and a lot of writers they're you know, they cover a specific team. So they're obviously right. Like they watch their team the most. So their bias skews toward them. Like, how much did you really watch a certain player from another team? It's probably not that much, especially in a year where all the divisions just played themselves. Exactly. Right. So like, if you're a reporter covering the Vegas golden Knights, how much this year did you watch? I don't know. I'll throw out a name. Joel Edmondson. Like you, you did. It doesn't make any sense. You're right. You're absolutely right. And there are some national, like, national like reporters but there's so many more team reporters yeah and that and that's where like you you get a lot of it working against players and teams in smaller markets Mm -hmm. right like for like for our panthers here like you know barkov in my opinion should have won a selk trophy a while ago but probably didn't and it's probably because not that many people who vote on these awards watch the Panthers on a consistent basis. If, if not any. Yeah. So it's, it, it's always, yeah, that, that's why like, I, I, you know, the awards are the awards, but they're most over oh, a lot of them. They often don't actually reflect the, the yeah. full picture. Right. And I know it is what it is, but I'm just, I'm stoked that, you know, we talked all year, you know, the Panthers could be in the running for some awards this year. Um, and you know, we got that at the end with some nominations and 
so far just the one win for Barkov. And also, as we mentioned last week, Jonathan Huberto, assist of the year. That was that was crazy. I had to watch it a few more times just to actually comprehend that it happened. Yeah. I mean, he's ridiculous. The, the, the amount of precision that he was able to create on the backhand is just... It's re- like making it, it is so hard. It physically does not make sense to me. Like, I can't even imagine it. Yeah, it, it's it's insane. Um, and so, yeah, like, regardless of who won the awards, like, it is just nice to finally have some Panthers players getting some recognition. It, it really is. is. Is a nice thing. And hopefully, you know, on the next episode of the podcast, we're talking about Bill Zito winning GM of the year. Fingers crossed. Knock Fingers on crossed. Wood. Knock on wood. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think that does it for, for this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you to everyone tuning into the episode. We will be back on Thursday, with a brand new episode. We talk more Panthers hockey, more playoff hockey, and more other stuff that happens. Uh, we'll just have to find out then. So thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you then. Center, Barkov looking to get a step on me.